Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party in Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going, man? It's going really well, Shay. I can't believe we're almost into another season. Like, Dude, it, it's crazy. Like Snuck up it, on me. Uh, it came out of nowhere. And uh, this is probably the busiest we've ever been outside of the podcast during a season. No but even then, it still is just like, man, it really flew by with the holidays and everything. And now we're here. And today, we got a fun episode. We are going deep into the background lore for season 12 with everything we know about Mad Maggie to date, answering all those questions. We've kind of been talking about this episode for a while because it's been taking some time to put together and really grasp everything uh, so we can hopefully let you all understand how she got here, maybe why she got here, and we'll share our opinions on if this is kind of a cool path that she took. Um, but before we do that, if you want a question answered, ask it on our Discord channel, meant for it, and or leave a five-star review on Apple Pods. If you want to support the show, get access to some awesome benefits, please consider checking out our Patreon. Link for that is in the description of this episode, also in the bio of all of our socials. There's a ton out there. Tons of extra episodes, discussion episodes every month. We're doing tournaments now, exclusive merch, all sorts of stuff. Huge shout out to all the patrons. The patrons keep the lights on over here. We say it every dang time, but yeah, it's a good time to be a patron. Benefits are great. Tournaments are rocking and patrons are always going to get first access to that kind of stuff. So let's do it. Let's dive into why we're getting Mad Maggie and some of the story behind her. Henry, kick us off with a little bit of the outside of Apex background a little bit. Yeah, so I think a lot of players are going to ask, why do we have Mad Maggie in the game? She was the most hated voice in all of Apex Legends history. By far. Ring, Yeah, by far. <laughs> Ring Fury uh, was the only new LTM of 2021. And it was essentially hated due to Mad Maggie being the announcer. Mm-hmm. That's pretty significant. Early feedback on if people are excited about Maggie on social media was outspokenly negative, you know, before some of these recent trailers. A lot mm-hmm. of people still didn't like her from that quest back in season eight and that only LTM. Well, truly, a developer had to say, like, you don't worry, you're not getting the same voice from that LTM with this character. Like that's how much of a negative connotation there was with it, which is as crazy to me, honestly, that that was an, even a thing that had to be said that it was that big of a deal because I don't think you or I hated it that much. Like we didn't love it, but it wasn't like a deal breaker, but man, it was intense with the reaction for sure. Absolutely. And one of the uh, Respawn designers who is in charge of all lore, Frozen Fro on Twitter, said, the more you hate Mad Maggie, the stronger she gets. <laughs> kind of poking fun at folks that were freaking out. And then Tom, a former lead writer on Apex, came back and said, what's the hate? She has this love-hate ship with BFF that she tried to kill, who now has a new BFF himself, personal issues, with pretty much everyone who has a loved one on Solus. Uh, no allegiances, totally unpredictable, no filter, and no problem telling you what she thinks, my kind of gal. Kind of saying like, hey, 
she's kind of crazy, but that's what makes her awesome. Like we mm-hmm. really like that. Um, and then Tom also had a tweet um, before the stories from the Outlands release saying that he was looking forward to this one for months. And that is kind of interesting to us because Tom left Respawn officially April 2021 before season eight even ended, like before the quest was even mm-hmm. fully pushed mm-hmm. out to the public. This means that introducing Maggie as a legend was always the plan. Uh, it's for been a, a long, plan long for time. a while. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Tom is a guy who also, we really have trusted his opinion throughout the entire kind of narrative process of Apex. He really helped create the legends and the lore around the game, and he's always been a really trustworthy voice. So kind of to come, I, I want to say, out of nowhere to talk about Maggie was pretty interesting to us, and it truly did mean a lot, honestly. Agreed. Let's get into some of the background, though, on Maggie that we know of. So, Margaret Mad Maggie Curry was born on Salfo, growing up alongside her closest friend, Fuse. One day, while exploring, the two came across a golden hand grenade clutched by the corpse of a deceased freedom fighter. The two claimed that the grenade, the two claimed the grenade as their own, occasionally passing it back and forth as a symbol of their bond. Curry was seen as a troublemaker throughout her schooling years, and she and Fuse were often separated during classes. One famous stunt of hers during this time was freeing one of her class's birds at the behest of Fuse. She did, however, gain a strong sense of patriotism and nationalism for Salvo at a young age, as shown by an essay written by her in the seventh grade. And for a little comparison, everyone knows Fuse is uh, like one of the older legends of the game, 54, maybe now 55, depending on how long he's been in the game. We are now confirmed Maggie has been introduced at age 55 as well. So another old head coming into the games essentially <laughs> yeah pretty interesting that they like they grew up together same age both uh kind of old folks in this game with a bunch of 20 and 30 somethings and then the occasional thousand year old robot <laughs> no worries about that. I guess, yeah i can't really say they're one of the older ones when revs around so yeah maybe an but, exception we could make there one of the older humans how about yeah, that <laughs> no doubt about that um, but we were first introduced um, to Maggie in the reveal of Fuse mm-hmm. and that story from the Outland. So good as gold. Um, and throughout that, we got to see as the pair grew older, Curry and Fuse led a variety of escapades together, including robberies, heists, and bomb defusals. However, their goals began to drift apart. As they grew older, while Fuse felt the allure of Bloodsport and began fighting in Salvo's famous bone cage, Curry became fully invested in Salvo's independence movement, founding and leading a war band known as the Cracked Talons. She conducted a variety of anti-mercenary syndicate operations, including riots and raids on supply ships, the spoils from which she redistributed to the citizens of Salvo. In 20. 34, Salvo became the seventh planet to join the Syndicate Alliance of Free Worlds. Fuse was soon selected as the first representative from Salvo to compete in the Apex Games. Curry was, as many remember, infuriated by this, wanting nothing to do with the Syndicate. For herself or Salvo, the two friends got into a fight as the result, uh, with Curry pulling the pin on her grenade and using it to blow off Fuse's right arm. That was a good sign of friendship. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's what I would do for you. 
You know, we've been friends for the longest time. And if I truly had to, I'd blow your arm off if things came to it. (laughs) It, Knowing more about this background, I think definitely highlights the trauma behind that split and that decision by Fuse Mm -hmm. um, to leave her. But it also is clear that they were never really on the same page in terms of Mm -hmm. freedom fighting and attacking like syndicate supply ships. Fuse, based off what we know, never did that. So it Mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily a betrayal, but more so both of these people were friends. And then Fuse, instead of not joining her, pretty much went and fought for the other team, which is obviously a a bad thing and got his arm blown off. (laughs) So we got a lot more Maggie in the season eight quest called Armed and Dangerous. Mad Maggie, now seen as a Salvonian freedom fighter and Fuse's oldest friend, has unleashed mayhem upon the Apex Games. She demands the legends bring her Fuse's other arm as a trophy. Maggie threatens to kill all the legends if Fuse doesn't fall in line with her political ideas from Salvo. At the end of the quest, Maggie falls from a high building with no parachute and is presumed dead by Fuse and all the legends. Today, we know that she did not, in fact, die and was immediately at this point apprehended by the syndicate and the legends had no idea that that happened. And I wish the last year, didn't it? Yeah, I wish we'd seen how she survived, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, she fell from a very, very tall height and, like, we can ignore that and We'll move past it because that's what it seems like <laughs> is happening. But I would have loved to see, like, at the beginning of her stories from the Outlands, like, was she caught on and awning? Yeah. Did she have a parachute? Like, how did she get captured, essentially? Um, but it is interesting. It's We saw for a long time, and then we took a break before this season, but in that season eight and pre-time with Fuse, we saw... A lot of Maggie and a lot of that relationship together and this idea of being a freedom fighter, freedom fighter, but also this idea of, I think we even said on the show, like we call her like a Apex Games terrorist. She killed civilians at the introduction of Fuse into the game. So like such an interesting character and personality in terms of like, she's got a lot of different perspectives you can take on it. <laughs> so then we get introduced to the character of Silva. And we kind of get this hinted at in the Lisa Stone's Unraveling the Syndicate podcast Twitter posts that Apex tweets leading up to the most recent stories from the Islands. So we actually, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the word of which, please save me, Henry, podcasting right now. We transcribed it there we go i got it correct we transcribed this we're gonna read it for you because i think it's great in in case anyone also isn't on twitter and wants to know this information so there's three episodes we'll read them through you now episode one is legends of lies over the past few years there have been a group of isolated tragedies and accidents but what if i told you they weren't isolated i'm lisa stone and i'm going to unravel the well-laid web of lies the syndicate has wrapped us in because these events are connected they are connected to negligent leadership that prioritizes profits over the safety of our citizens. This is clearly displayed within their own Apex games, where they've allowed constant chaos to put our beloved legends in danger. Well, outside of their usual danger. And it doesn't stop there. Episode one, wrapped, essentially. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, starts to ask a lot of questions, and she's going to try to answer them. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we get into episode two. Uh, episode two, the supporting evidence. Due to their gross negligence, the late Jimmy Forge McCormick, the highly anticipated legend, is dead and is never going to have the chance to enter the games. I was horrified, not just because I witnessed a murder, but because if the syndicate can't protect its own legends, what hope do we have? It makes you wonder, with so many people at the helm of the syndicate, why are we seeing issues pile up while they debate solutions? Like the events with the terrorists at the museum and the infection brought into Olympus. So what do we do? Who can we depend on? I will tell you who. Tune in next time to hear a statement from the man who's going to save the galaxy. I also think it was interesting that she just didn't mention that Rev also became a legend, which I figured we might talk about when she talks about, you know, Jimmy dying and getting murdered. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit odd. Um, we're going to kind of address some of these points that are in episode two later on, um, but they're definitely trying to tell a story, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Episode three, though, is Dawn of a New Hope. And here's how it goes. I'm going to reveal who is going to save us from the current state of the syndicate. Duardo Silva, CEO of Silva Pharmaceuticals. A man of action and integrity, he is ready to take a stand against the syndicate's incompetence. I have here a statement from Silva himself. Quote, the council has failed. You deserve better. You deserve a true leader, a singular leader. I would be honored if you would place your trust in me to guide the syndicate space into the future. We need a true leader to run the syndicate, and we need it now. Wow, I'm convinced. Silva sounds like a man on a mission. So essentially, we get to our first true introduction of Silva into the Apex universe outside of the history, which we'll go into in a second, but kind of like his resurfacing now and the role that he's trying to play. I think it's interesting, though, and... What do you think about these podcasts in general, though, that we get? (laughs) So, first off, this is like a crazy new way to introduce almost a new character and a new storyline via Twitter, which honestly makes us happy because it allows us to be able to put it all together so that you can enjoy it and hear it all in one place. But really, this was a pretty significant piece of lore that is not going to ever be in the game for people Mm -hmm. to, to see. Um, so kind of interesting there that it's gotten buried now on Twitter. But these podcasts uncovering the truth about the syndicate don't actually uncover anything. Um, Lisa Stone claims that each of these events are connected, but offers nothing at all in the form of evidence, except that Silva will correct these things, which he strangely, strangely has a connection to each of the unfortunate events over the last few seasons. So, you know, at least it's not diving too deep into this investigation. You might have promised. (laughs) No. Um, So I think that it was interesting to kind of lay all the, uh, lay this whole foundation and say, we're going to uncover the truth and then introduce Eduardo. Yeah. A little weird. But, but essentially what these played the role of is, Hey, the syndicate leadership that you as the fans have played as for since the game has come out and the history of Titanfall lore as well, all baked in, they suck. They're not good enough. They're not keeping legends safe. They're bad people. And we know maybe they're not like the best people, but they're really bad people is what Lisa's saying. But Silva is the answer. And with full conviction, she believes that. But so give us a bit more background, Henry, of Duardo Silva um, and how we know him when was he previously introduced and 
how he kind of fits into this story now being reintroduced through this podcast. Of course. So Tordo Silva, Silva, Octane's father, uh, that's kind of the the most general connection that we have. I think a lot yeah. of people are going to enjoy mm-hmm. that. Um, the first time we had mention of Duardo was actually at the very end of the season five quest. Um, pretty interesting. So a long, long time ago, we're going into season 12. First like, mm-hmm. official lore mention was end of season five. And Silva's role is not only the father of Octane, but the CEO of Silva Pharmaceuticals. The most recent thing before the series of podcasts unraveling the syndicate, or so they say, was during the ICS Icarus um, and how that kind of came to be in season nine. This ship came to, came under the control of Silva Pharmaceuticals, um, and Eduardo Silvo, Silva, who wanting to subvert the authority of the mercenary syndicate, directed the ship to dock on Olympus in hopes that when the infection took hold of the visitors, he could make a quick profit off manufacturing the cure and make the syndicate look bad in the process. Very, very devious, very strange that this all happened kind of behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. We knew about it. It wasn't hard to really uncover that the origin of the ship was Silva Pharmaceuticals. So really, there's been no answer to this. Um, but the other thing of note from the lore is that Silva Pharma is headquartered on Samathe, as is the location of the city of Olympus. So mm-hmm. it's just in the back, like the back. There's yard. a lot of connections. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, the other thing to take a look at. So this in season nine was one of the events uh, that Lisa Stone talked about in the show as one of the horrible events that the syndicate leadership could not control and was a huge tragedy. The other one was in season seven quest called Family Portrait. And this is where there's a terrorist attack on a museum. Mm -hmm. These terrorists come in, black armor and green goggles led by Cretan Sawtell. He has plans to run the Outlands. So he says Mm -hmm. he's looking for uh, Charisse Shea, and which is Lifeline's mother, in order to mm-hmm. deliver a message to the syndicate uh, that they can, they can have Salvo, but Sautel wants Samathe. Really, really weird in terms of all these connections, laying down, yeah. pulling from season eight and now to present day. Um, this is weird, I think, um, for multiple reasons. I love that we're finally starting to put the pieces together, but the connection is not that the syndicate is at fault. And no. the main reason here is that this event was in zero way connected to the syndicate. This mm-hmm. was a few legends going off to try to find a battery from a museum. This was not something that the syndicate really had any official capacity in. But the one connection here are those green goggles, I think, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. these terrorists were wearing. They were wearing green goggles. Octane wears green goggles. Duardo, we see now in uh, the trailers, has green glasses. That's a lot of connections. And so I think the only logical conclusion is that Duardo definitely had involvement in the outbreak on Olympus, and he definitely had involvement in this weird terrorist power struggle, Mm anti-salvo thing in that quest in season seven. And linking Duardo to Maggie is this interesting thing as well that they've chosen to do in terms of 
Yeah, we're bringing in a new legend, but we're also kind of bringing in a like we're bringing in a villain from our perspective, but a hero from a lore perspective to the general public. Um, It's it's a hard thing to do. We're going to dive into the Apex Syndicate timeline. I'm excited to look at that as well because I think one thing that's forgotten in all of this, and I'm excited to see how it unravels, and I'm just going to say it now because it doesn't directly link with Maggie as much, but with Duardo coming in, trying to take control, obviously doing some sus shady stuff to make the syndicate look bad and and essentially try and take power. Like, as far as I know, and as far as we know as fans from Titanfall, Blisk is not a man you want to mess around with. And that's essentially who you're going after at this point when you're going after the syndicate. And with all the rumors we've had of him entering the games, I wonder if this is how we're setting something up along those lines in a couple of seasons. And I'm ready to see that guy kind of go full bore saying, no, 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 this is my game kind of thing or however that gets introduced. But talk to me about the syndicate timeline after a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Kick it off, HB. Syndicate timeline, some of the background information, refresher for some, first time info for others. Yeah, so we got the piece of lore unraveling the syndicate. Talked about, you know, multiple terrorist attacks uh, between the connection of Salvo and Silva, which is kind of a tongue twister for me. Um, Those are all kind of the things that Lisa Stone outlined as the problems with the syndicate. But I think it's important for us to look at, well, what's the entire history of the syndicate? Is there seriously poor management being Mm -hmm. happened? Are people at huge risk because of the syndicate outside of those events that we kind of debunked Mm -hmm. has been more connected to Silva than the syndicate. Yeah. So the first thing that we have in terms of mention of the syndicate is crypto. Crypto finds out that the syndicate is rigging the games to profit from betting on the predicted winner. They then force him underground in and he pops up under an alias, destroying the Repulsor Tower on King's Canyon and releasing wildlife onto the games. This problem, quickly corrected by containment centers across King's Canyon. Rapid response, honestly not a huge like disturbance to the mm-hmm. Apex Games or mm-hmm. the citizens of the Outlands. Then we have Forge. Forge is murdered by a literally unstoppable murder bot which has been ravaging his overlords at Hammond Robotics facilities across the galaxy. The murder also happens to be the murderer also happens to be an unhinged immortal simulacrum assassin. Nobody else has more skills or experience. I mean, if that guy's coming after it's like John Wick, man. If that yes. guy's coming after you, it's like what can you really do? Like at some point you just kind of got to give up. And that's that's Rev in the Apex lore, at least. <laughs> yeah, this is a like monumental problem. And I thought it was very weird that Lisa Stone kind of said, like, wow, we had this traumatic murder that the whole you know galaxy was looking at and horrified by if the syndicate can't protect one legend, they can't protect any of us. That's kind of an outrageous thing to say, considering the circumstances and who Revenant is. Mm-hmm. If we look at the syndicate's response, they contain this threat by adding Revenant as a legend in the Apex games 
to control his murderous ambitions. If they did not do that, there is no telling the destruction that Revenant would have had on the syndicate, mm-hmm. on hand robotics, on the entire outline outlands. I would chalk this up as a huge dub that they were able to essentially play puppeteer on Revenant mm-hmm. and just have him exercise his murderous desires <laughs> in the games. And then the syndicate would profit off that yeah. instead of yeah. getting murdered. Yeah. It's not a perfect solution, but it got the job done. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and then we had Loba. Um, Loba then on had a syndicate contract and broke into the underground facilities on Kings Canyon and destroyed Skulltown in the process in return for Ash's head. She would get access to where Revenant's source code was supposedly. She misses mm-hmm. out on that opportunity. In return, she would provide Ash's head to the syndicate. Not a huge deal. Some ways say that was a huge oversight, a huge piece of destruction, but honestly, it only furthered the agenda of the syndicate. Mm-hmm. And to our knowledge, nobody was harmed. No problem, except a couple specters. No problem. Maybe some flyers. Like. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> then after that, we had Rampart's introduction, completely peaceful with the oversight of the director of the Apex Games. We had Horizon come into the games, completely peaceful. And we had Fuse happily enter the games, no problems Great with the syndicate. treaty strategic move. Yes, like, by wonderful, syndi- very by the diplomatic. Mm-hmm. We love to see all that. That's a huge stint of easygoing, no problems. Nothing to correct, even though up until that point, they've corrected every misstep. But with Fuse, Maggie then enters and terrorizes the Salvo merger ceremony and kills innocent civilians, period. The syndicate responds with an echo cleanup um, that essentially contained the environmental disaster of Mm -hmm. crashing a ship into Kings Canyon, and then the eventual capture of Maggie. A horrible, horrible event that I will definitely never forget. I hope the syndicate never <laughs> forgets it. Um, but was pretty quickly contained. I don't yep. think you can mm-hmm. knock the syndicate for its response to Maggie's terrorist event. Yeah. yeah fair. After that, Valkyrie comes in, completely peaceful. Seer comes in, completely peaceful. And then Ash, surprisingly, Kind of just comes into the games, no problem. Easy peasy. She does Buddy have buddies. a huge like grudge against the syndicate, but honestly, no problem. It's better to have her in the games than out of the games, and this has been a win for the syndicate, I think. Yeah. So exactly. we look at all this history, all this history, all legends coming in, all these events, how the syndicate has reacted, contained, kept legends safe, kept civilians safe, maintained law and order. What exactly has the syndicate done to fail the legends or the safety of the fans? We can't really point to anything. Mm -hmm. Plus, the syndicate has supposedly not executed someone since the war across all seven planets. That is mind-boggling that there has not been a capital punishment Mm -hmm. in the Outlands since its inception. So then what exactly is wrong with the leadership of the syndicate? Not a ton when you break it down in that way. Like, this is not a peaceful, like, great society in general for everyone, but they've done a pretty solid job. And so now we understand the syndicate's background. We understand Silva's background. We understand Maggie and Fuse's relationship. 
let's jump forward to where we're currently at and talk about the latest stories from the Outlands and the launch trailer and where Maggie is currently at, uh, which is Judgment. And we learn in this one, Maggie is truly portrayed as a freedom fighter of Salvo with heroic images of her feeding children and waving flags flashing on the screen while she's on trial. Really from this, it seems like we're meant to believe that the people of Salvo see her as a hero and the syndicate see her as a villain. And we know there is a tough relationship between syndicate space and Salvo kind of trying to create that peace has been troubling. Maggie's main goal is and was to expose how weak the syndicate is in order to inspire a rebellion on Salvo. I think this is a really interesting thing because then we obviously see Duardo, who we just talked about, insert himself in and saying, hey, in seven years or across seven planets since syndicate has taken over, they've never sent anyone to execution. This is the person that's finally drawing the line. That's a person I kind of need in my corner potentially as someone to help me ruffle some feathers with the syndicate and that leads us into the launch trailer where mad maggie is thrown out of a drop ship but not before biting an apex games guard and throwing him off his ship to his death that was a little gruesome definitely leading into the mad part of maggie the legends react to maggie as truly being seen as a villain and most agree she's the first to be killed all except for octane a little strangely since she is on like she's on his team with him in Lifeline. And that'd be kind of a bummer if you got like the number one terrorist and who you're supposed to hate drop in on your team. Like this could have been a time to introduce solos, you know? <laughs> and, and it's interesting because I don't think this is just by chance. I, I mean, Octane, Octane and Lifeline have the connection to Silva and they really do. But they also don't like They don't like his, like, he doesn't like his parents. He doesn't Mm -hmm. like his dad. So there is some interesting dynamic that's going on there. Um, Yeah. We also learn Fuse and Maggie, they really don't have a truce. They got like a kind of quick little chat in there, but not before launching everything they had at each other. Classic Salvo, classic Salvonians. Maggie falls into a new facility on Olympus where Duardo Silva is hiding and claims that. Maggie's doing a good job playing the villain for his story before the entire city of Olympus is teleported to a new location. This was then blamed on Maggie as sabotaging the games. A little weird. What's Silva up to? He's playing some sort of game, bringing Maggie in in his corner. Somehow he has the pull to get Maggie in as well, which is an interesting thing that I think we'll uncover in time. But like you mentioned, bringing the games to some like very much closer to the city, closer to Silva Pharmaceuticals probably as well. What's the play here? It's a really weird one. It's strange, Shay. I mean, I don't really get it. This whole idea that the map changes that we're getting at the start of the season on Olympus are because Maggie came in and destroyed the games. Mm-hmm. That's really weird because... Why would mm-hmm. we take a freedom fighter who wants to destroy everything that the syndicate has created, sentence her to the games, then knowing that she doesn't like the syndicate and then blame her for sabotaging the games? It seems too easy, but like you said, what's Silva up to? What's the end game? Mm-hmm. And it just seems like a big hassle. Like, what's the mm-hmm. purpose of all this? And definitely, I think you... Yeah are on the right track thinking about bringing Olympus closer to the surface or closer to mm-hmm. another city. Um, 
is probably something to do with it. If not, having Silva get his hands on phase tech. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's important. But let's wrap it up though. Kind of some like let's get to some closing thoughts. And really our closing thoughts are I think there's some dot connecting going on here that we'll share, but also a lot of questions that we're left with. And hopefully we get answered in time through the story because it's gonna be quite an interesting one to follow. From all of this, adding Maggie to the Apex games is a grossly negligent decision that logically makes absolutely no sense. Give a heroic freedom fighter the largest celebrity status platform in an arena that she terrorized, directly threatening the existence of not only the sport, the fans, and the lives of the legends. Mm -hmm. This objectively poor decision is frustrating, but thankfully is supported by the subversive efforts of Duardo Silva, which Mm -hmm. are as plain as day to disrupt the authority of the syndicate council. Now, from what we know, Duardo hired mercenaries to attack his own son and legends at the museum. Crazy person. He also infected Olympus and the legends and the staff and the fans and everybody in an attempt to disrupt the games by threatening the lives of all of them. He's also bankrolling the massive efforts of Maggie and somehow giving her a straight shot into the games. There is definitely more than we Mm -hmm. think about that relationship. Now, the only question in my mind remains is if Silva is in a position where he can save Maggie's life, give her a a verbal apex card directly into the games, just like Blisk. What are his larger ambitions? He clearly controls the syndicate legal system. He has 100% authority over the apex games. If he already has this, what does he stand to gain from putting Maggie in the games? She threatens its very existence, and not only his only son, which Mm -hmm, is something to mm -hmm. point out, but the games are a major business that is incredibly lucrative for the syndicate. It would be foolish for a businessman like Duardo to burn it down without a major reason. I think some theories are Mm -hmm. perhaps a war is coming and Silva is preparing to continue his war profiteering from days gone by. Um, This could be done by dismantling the syndicate so that the outlands are defenseless from an IMC return, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, Based off the launch trailer, perhaps Silva is interested in the phase technology on Olympus uh, from a business standpoint, but it equally could be just an effort to destabilize the games. But the question is why? Yeah. It, it, the why is so important and it really is going to be interesting to see. I think you're on to something with, he seems to be in it for the money, like the money and the power. And maybe now he does want to go from this behind the scenes, pulling the strings. Somehow he has power behind the scenes to pull the strings. We don't know how, but he does. But maybe he wants to go from that with now making public statements on Lisa Stone's like podcast thing to being powerful behind the scenes to being the face of everything and being the powerful person that is in front of everyone in the public figurehead as well and replace the syndicate and replace Blisk. And that's interesting 
because maybe that's what it is. Maybe it is a chase for power per se, even if he already kind of has the power, which is that's just the a weird part. That's the weird part. But Why? I think it's, it's so interesting because it's like, okay, if Blisk really is coming into the games, I'm starting to get a reason why. Like mm-hmm. the story could be, hey, um, Maggie was supposed to be executed. She's a beast though, hasn't been executed. And now my uh now my like power is being questioned. Thanos style, fine, I'll do it myself. I'm going into the games to kill Maggie and yeah. show that I am powerful. Like that makes sense to me as an yeah. entry point for Blisk into the Apex, if that's what we're trying to do. But questioning the syndicate's power, playing both sides that Silva is, it's an interesting story, but something we talk about, we haven't had stories like this that kind of go into the power struggle of the universe and kind of the system that actually created and represents the Apex games. And so it is quite interesting from that standpoint as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird because introducing Maggie to the games not only could end the games, yeah, not just from a physical destruction that she might just kill everyone. I'm not mm-hmm. saying like she's more powerful than any other legend, but she's a major liability that has already threatened them and is crazy. But that's kind of fine. Um, but the fact is, the entire fan base on six planets mm-hmm. hate her for absolutely vile, like valid reasons. That mm-hmm. would destroy a sport, you know. Yeah, if this yeah. was the NBA and we had a terrorist attack the NBA finals and then they <laughs> were on the starting team the next season, like I don't know if people would be able to watch that. I think it yeah. would harm the sponsors. Yeah. But then the other just the political aftermath of something like this, giving Maggie the stage is potentially going to destabilize the entire Outlands. Yeah. So if Eduardo wants to be the king. Why destroy everything why destroy that he it? hopes to like gain? And it's just weird that he seems to have all the power that he could ever want, even though we never heard about him in the syndicate before mm-hmm. wielding this power. Where's Blisk? Where's the rest of the folks? This mm-hmm. guy has more authority than the judge. So yeah. a lot of weird stuff, but really exciting stuff. I think this is the the peak of the Apex lore story we've had to date i find yeah. it really interesting yeah and because it's coming with such such a great story it makes maggie's introduction more interesting to me and i'm now more invested in the character and her story it's weird but there's kind of all these mystery and questions behind it so i'm excited to see how things kind of continue to unfold with her and what this is coming out to you guys on saturday uh wednesday we're going to give you guys our first impressions of her abilities and we're quite excited to talk about that as well because she has some cool stuff, but a lot of questions from what we've seen uh, thus far because we're recording, I imagine, before the like Legend trailer will drop. Um, excited for that, though. Anything else before we wrap it up with questions? That's it. Let's wrap it up now. Some five-star questions. The first of which is coming from Galios Neptune, a five-star from Apple Pods. Hey guys, I was wondering if you had any tips for a Nintendo Switch Apex Legends player. I'm a relatively good player on the Switch and just wanted some tips to get better. I own all the Legends, so I'm open to switching to another Legend. I am considered the Apex Legends god of Nintendo Switch to all my friends. Thank you guys. You're the best. Man. 
how do you help the Apex Legends god of the Nintendo Switch? I'll tell you right now, Galios, I struggle on the Switch so much. Even plugging it in to the monitor, it's still like the controller. It just it doesn't doesn't work for me. Have you had better experiences than myself, Henry? It's it's not just the frames. The whole graphics are mm-hmm. horrendous to me. I don't know how you could enjoy playing on the Switch unless it was your absolute only opportunity. I mean, good on you, Neptune. I definitely I think about it all the time. I you know pour one out for all those Switch players. But if you're a god already, then you don't need any help from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's not a different game. Listen to the pod. Play it the same way, you know. It, totally. We can't we can't teach you switch mechanics on a podcast. Um, if we could, we'd be charging a lot more for people to listen. <laughs> so <laughs> that's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> Next question comes from Sam the Monkey Man. Five stars. Hey, I love your guys's pod. I've been listening since season eight, and it's helped me so much few questions i play a good amount of ranked and my favorite map for ranked is world's edge but i can't seem to get over gold four so where shall i land with my friends to get good placement rp to get at least a platinum sam okay i i'll i'll i have an opinion i don't know if this is the same opinion as you though henry so feel free to disagree with me um sam can't seem to get over gold four I'm a firm believer, especially you know if you are playing with people and have the opportunity to do so, that getting to platinum, that's just going to come down to reps and gun skill. And yeah, there's things you can do to play for RP, but for the most part, you're, the negativity in gold, you don't lose enough RP for it to be a big deal when you have like a really bad game. And so I think if you are just perfecting your gunplay to the best you can, you're going to have success and be able to get through gold um, at a high rate. And so tips for doing that are, I think playing arenas is a great way to perfect your gunplay. I think playing control is going to be a great way to perfect your gunplay. Get those reps in, hit your shots, because in general, not a lot of people are playing for RP and gold lobbies. And so you're not going to be able to maximize it by playing for RP in the same way, in my opinion. I I echo that, Shay. I think okay, it's cool, difficult cool. to to hear that as advice. Just like get better with your guns. That's the way to do it. Um, but in many ways, I do think it's true. I mean, there's people that say that to Diamond. Like there's people that say you gotta get your gun play up to get the diamond, essentially. Like you can f- stroll through plat. I'm not in agreement with that, but I do think getting to gold getting through gold is is definitely in that realm for sure yeah i think we've done an entire map guide on world's edge and how you should play with ranked it's still very Mm -hmm. much relevant i think survey camp is a very uh conservative drop location if you're playing for placement what i've been playing uh recently this split is just big mod i'm addicted i think it is contested depending on where the supply ship or the drop ship is but leaving there with some KP, a gold weapon, and the ability to easily swing to Lava Siphon or all the way through Geyser into Fragment, mm-hmm. really, really good positioning. I can't stop doing it. I don't know if I should fully recommend it, but <laughs> that's what I do. 
Hey, that's where our tournament winners dropped. Third party, a third party invitational. They dropped big mod. And yeah, you're going to have to get KP to climb through diamond to get to plat. And so you're going to have to take fights. Doesn't mean you have to drop fragment every single time, but it does mean you're going to have to be aggressive to an extent. Um, next question coming from Pathfinder Main, five star. I love this podcast and it's been very relatable for me. I have become so much better and I have never even obtained the 4K damage badge. Question one, what are your thoughts on the new legend, Maggie? Question two, what are the two weapons that you guys use most often? Thanks. Question one, I think we got that one wrapped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a lot of thoughts. Whole episode on it. I'll be doing more about it. Pathfinder Man, I think, meant to say that they have obtained. A 4K damage badge. So, oh, I have even very, obtained very 4K nice. damage badge. Thank you for catching Podcast. that. Thank you for catching that. Yes, I uh, love that. Getting us on the right page. Um, but the second question, two most used weapons. Dude, tough one. What a question. What a question. Um, gotta say flatline this season. I've mm-hmm. been using a lot of flatline, and I've been using a lot of R301. Mm-hmm. A pretty basic a answer. Combo. Not very exciting, not very flashy, but it's the truth. Yeah, I mean, my all-time, and I would I think it's the same for this season as well, R301 Wingman, which isn't mm-hmm. flashy either. It's pretty normal answers. I have been trying to incorporate the flatline and mastiff in more. I want to like I want those two guns particularly to be ones I feel as confident with the 301 and the wingman just in my repertoire. Um, so I'm definitely trying to get some good use out of those, but I still do rely on the 301 and wingman as my kind of go-tos. And last question for the day coming from Mind Block Zach, another five-star. Hello there. Love your pod. A friend recommended. And I am Fuse main when I play ranked, but if he gets chosen before, I can choose I can choose him. I do not know who to play. What should I do? Thank you for having an epic pod. Peace. Well, maybe you play Maggie at this rate if uh, you want to match Salvonians. But matching Fuse's play style is an interesting one. I actually think this is something you could probably speak on because I think if you're playing a champ that isn't mobility-based, I think you can pivot to a not mobility-based legend again and get utility out of that kit. And my first reaction is Rampart. And so maybe you can expand on that if you want to or feel free to go a different direction as well. The speed of use of Ramparts and Fuse's ultimates are definitely similar. I think Mm -hmm. the use case-wise, they have a lot in common, probably the most similar in terms of range and when you're going to activate them in the cooldown. So I definitely agree with you there, Shay. In terms of replacing that tactical on Fuse and considering that you want to play in ranked, I'd probably go with a wild pick and say Bangalore. I think that the similarities in the tacticals, two charges, Mm -hmm. both can be used to kind of pin down enemies while you're advancing on them, offensive and defensive, plus you get the mobility and the passive and Mm -hmm. probably a better ultimate than Fuse's. I think it's a good idea. Um, Mm -hmm. But like Shay said, you know, not going with mobility is a challenge, honestly, mm-hmm. especially if you're playing mm-hmm. a lot of solo ranked. But I think yeah. Bangalore is a good call, honestly, if you're a big fan of Fuse. 
I like that. That's going to wrap it up, though. Thank you to our producer for the third party, 10, as well as our dropship captain, Luke, who support us over on Patreon. Subscribe on Apple Pods, drop a follow on Spotify, and check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thanks so much for listening to the third party podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs>